right. Hey, guys, and welcome back to the latest episode of the Beers and Bases podcast. I'm your host, Hunter, and along with my co-host, Ethan. We've had some exciting and memorable things happen in the last few days in the baseball world, uh, one of those being the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 terrorist attacks. So today we're going to discuss kind of what that means to the game of baseball as it holds kind of a special place in the history of the game. And we've got some other things to discuss, too, such as what our Braves and Cardinals have been up to since we last spoke. Matt Scherzer recorded his 3,000th strikeout. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers also threw a no-hitter with Corbin Burns tallying 14 Ks. Um, it's about the eighth or ninth no-hitter this season. So we're kind of kind of to cover whether or not uh, no-hitters are becoming a more common thing and, and are they losing a bit of their luster. So since we last spoke, the Braves went 4-2. and two. They've taken series from the Miami Marlins and the Washington Nationals. They hold a four-and-a-half game lead in the NL East. And kind of going in the last couple weeks of the season, that's a spot we definitely like to be in. Um, but the more exciting storyline from that this weekend was the fact that Will Smith decided it was a good idea to plunk uh, Juan Soto, and in retaliation for that, um, the next game, I think it was Sean Nolan, he decided it would be a good idea to plunk Freddie Freeman um, in return. So the first pitch was behind the head, the second one hit him directly in the back. Freddie didn't like it, Sean was thrown out, and kind of to me one of the cooler things that, about this whole story is Normally that results in benches clearing and sometimes fights happen. But at the end of the day, Freddie Freeman and Juan Soto kind of hugged it out. Freddie talked it over with the Nationals uh, dugout. And like I said, we're, we're rolling at four and two in our last six games. And I think that was just an overall positive moment and kind of shows the type of person and leader that Freddie Freeman is. Um, but, yeah, so the Braves have been doing well. And, Ethan, kind of inform us on what your Cardinals have been doing since we last spoke. Yeah, the Cardinals are four and three. And – They've had some really tough games against the Dodgers and Reds, but all in all, they, you know, since the last time we've spoke, I'm completely happy with where they are of what's been going on. One game back in the wild card, Albert Pujols comes to town, hits the towering home run, the standing ovations, and, you know, just how the Cardinals bounce back from that series. You know, they lost the first two games, and then they win the next two, which I never expected to happen, especially against how good the Dodgers team is. So, you know, them splitting with them was great to see. Then they uh, then they host the Reds and you know lost the first game and then they come back again and win the next two games to win that series which is huge for the wild card race because right now it's the Padres Reds and and us just going at it so you know Nolan Arenado's been red hot we get we got the Pujols return the Reds series it's just been an exciting time to be a Cardinal fan and right now the Cardinals are up two zero on the Mets so it's just all in all been great. Yeah, and, and like you said, that, that wild card race has gotten really tight with them being a game back and going you know forward into these last couple weeks of the season. I think we're all going to keep our eye on that, and, and hopefully they can sneak into the playoffs. Um, some exciting baseball coming down the line for sure, and, and I guess we, you know, we're excited to wait and see what happens. So, um, but yeah, so that kind of, like I said, we've kind of hit on the Braves and Cardinals a little bit, but let's you know talk about 9-11 and, and what that means. You know, over 3,000 people. Um, kind of passed away from those events. And um, I kind of remember where I was that day, Ethan. I know you weren't born yet. Um, so, you know, you're one of the people that it's kind of you have a completely different perspective. And I kind of want to hear your thoughts and views on on that and, and kind of what it means to the game of baseball. Well, for one, it's huge. It's, it's, it's a huge day for the game of baseball because when, you know, when you play on 9-11, it's, it's just a special time just 
with how tragic those events were. But for me personally, you know, I, like you said, I, I was not alive. I, you know, I, I, my parents could tell you what they were doing right at the time the attack happened. Personally, I can't. So it's different. But, yeah, it, it's still a special day to me just because it, it, how tragic the events were. But that's really about all I could speak on. Like, I don't want to be one of those people that comes out and says, you know, just how how sad and all the, just have this long spill about it when I wasn't even really alive to to realize it like as you were. So, you know, all in all, it was, it was a special day for baseball when they play on 9-11, and it's just a special day in general. Yeah, and, and it really is. And, and like you said with your parents, I kind of remember, you know, exactly where I was that day too. I think my dad, he'd just come home from having surgery and, I won't get into a long spill, but essentially, you know, we were in there eating breakfast and that was on TV for the whole day. Um, I had friends in school that, you know, their parents were pulling them out of class, like just kind of a crazy emotional day. Still kind of get emotional thinking about it. Um, you know, it's, it's a tragic day, but like you said, for the game of baseball, a lot of really cool things came out of that. Um, and, and it was kind of cool to see for me how people came together in the events of what I call nine twelve. And that was probably the most united our country's ever been during my lifetime. Um, but yeah, a lot of cool things happened. George Bush throwing out the first pitch. Uh, you know, we had the Mike Piazza home run on the first game back um, in Shea Stadium. And of course, that came against the Braves. But I feel like the Mets, you know, they're forever linked to to what happened on 9 11. Absolutely. You know, you mentioned all those great things. And one, one of the main things I think about a lot was the Sammy Sosa trotting the field with the home with the American flag. I thought that was great. There was just a there's just a ton of things that happened after that were just so cool to see. Yeah, and and to me that's kind of like what's cool about sports is it, it kind of gives people that escape, but you know at the same time like, you know, you got these athletes that really kind of show their appreciation and and they go out and try to inspire, you know, everybody and you know bring everybody together for a couple hours just to kind of, you know, leave that kind of I guess behind. Um, but yeah, it's really, really cool moments happen. Sammy Sosa was great, um, carrying the flag, like you said. And I thought what was cool this past weekend was they brought out the Yankees and the Mets for a 20th anniversary game. And it was really neat to see them kind of lock arms. And, you know, as we know, Joe Torrey, the manager and Bobby Valentine, who managed the Mets at the time, uh, both those guys got to throw out the first pitch. Judge hits two homers, uh, buys, scores three runs, just an all around great game. Yanks win eight, seven. Um, so really cool way to kind of end, you know, the 20th anniversary of, of 9-11. And um, like I said, all in all, just, you know, a cool special day for the game of baseball. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the most ironic things about that, they come together for that first game. You know, everybody's united. And then you go two games down the road and you got Lindor wanting to fight Giancarlo Stanton. You got the benches clearing, you got the bullpens clearing. It's back to the New York rivalry two days later. Yeah, like they're all they're all, you know, giving hugs, holding hands, whatever. And then two days later, you know, Lindor's trying to get the smoke from John Carlo, which I don't think is the best idea. Um now now Baez on the other hand, like if if you know somebody was gonna scrap, I feel like he might be the guy that could could throw down a little bit. I agree. it was it was your classic subway series. It was it was entertaining to say the least. Yeah, and I love when baseball gets heated too. That just makes the game better. Um it's a lot more fun to see it that way. And and I guess you know one of the funnier parts of that is always watching the benches clear because those guys never get in on the action; they're just all hanging out. Yeah, I don't even understand why. I, I don't understand why the benches clear in general. I get it; you want to back up your guys, but at the end of the day, you just, you just stand there and you you mostly make friends with the 
with the opposing team than you even you do back up in your guys. So it's it's a, it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's pretty nuts. Um, but yeah, outside of that, you know, that wasn't the only big event. Uh, we had Max Scherzer get his three thousandth strikeout. Um, you know, great achievement for him. He's Max Scherzer has been one of the premier pitchers in our lifetime. Um, future Hall of Famer, great, you know, great ball player, won a World Series with the Nationals, and just all in all, just dominant on the mound, and he has been for so long now. But, yeah, 3,000 strikeouts is no small task. I think you told me only 18 guys have done that in the history of Major League Baseball. He is one of 17 guys. So, yeah, I mean, basically, I mean, he I, personally, I'm a huge Max Scherzer guy. You know, when you're on a list of one of 17 guys, it, it's it's absolutely insane. Uh, he is he's a guy that's he's a St. Louis boy. He went to Missouri. He, he's been a guy that I've loved. I wish the Cardinals would have, you know, actually signed him when they drafted him. It was a late round pick there. That didn't happen. The Cardinals had a chance to pursue him in free agency. They didn't. Who knows? He's a free agent after this year. Maybe the Cardinals want to bring him home. That would be cool to see. But yeah, all in all, I'm super happy for Max Scherzer. He's a great guy. He's a St. Louis boy, which makes me like him even more. Yeah, and, and you mentioned him being drafted, you know, by St. Louis. And I, I honestly had no idea that he was drafted by the Diamondbacks until I started doing some research. And then he was involved in that trade to the Tigers. And now, of course, he's in L.A. But, yeah, it just had a great career. You know, one of the most storied careers of, of some of the pitchers we've had the pleasure of watching. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, we're just along for the ride and, and witnessing greatness at the moment. Um, like I said, there's some notable names on that list of 3,000 strikeouts. You've got guys like Nolan Ryan, John Smoltz. Um, you know, plenty more guys like that, but those are just two that I remember off the top of my head. It's a, it's kind of an, a very exclusive list, not one that many guys get to. Obviously, there's only 17 members, so um, yeah, just really excited for him, happy for him, and and excited to kind of see what he finishes with in his career. So, um, but yeah, I guess now like the other big thing that happened this weekend was you know the Milwaukee Brewers threw a no hitter. Uh, and during that game, Corbin Burns came out and he had 14 strikeouts through eight innings. And um, I don't know what his pitch count was, but I didn't know that he was pulled and they placed, I think it was Josh Hader in the ninth. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but he came in, shut the door, and they get a combined no hitter out in Milwaukee. It, it's, it feels like almost every week now we have a no hitter. Yeah. Every week. It's It's insane. I feel like. Like you're saying, it's it's if it's not every week, it's like at least once every two or three weeks. And you know, no hitters to us, they used to be special. When somebody threw a no hitter, you know, you were you were the guy, you were like an ace on a team, and you just did something nobody had done in ten years. And, and now I don't know if it's because you know they they've kind of changed up the balls, but then again, at the same time, they take away the sticky stuff, and it's and it's still happening. Pitchers are still having complete dominance. I don't I don't know what it is, but. It, personally, it's definitely not as special anymore because it used to be something, like you said, that you don't see very often. But nowadays, it's almost every week, or it feels like it at least. I don't really know what you know the reasoning is behind it. Maybe pitchers are just getting that much better or that far ahead of hitters, but it's it's crazy. Well, and, and you just made a good point about like what's changed. And like you said, they've taken away the sticky stuff because you know, early in the season – I think we had like four no hitters, like bang, 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 like just like that. Um, Musk, Musgrove, Molly, Means, like the whole, you know, that whole nine yards, and it was like they were having a no hitter like every two days. Um, and but I think you know a few things have changed. Like you said, they've taken spider tack away, so I think that slowed it down some towards the rest of the season as it went along. 
Um, I think, too, at the end of the day, like we've got more guys trying to hit for power than ever and, you know, trying to do launch angle and home runs and stuff. So I feel like they kind of sacrifice contact, which I feel like in turn leads to them getting fewer base hits and stuff like that. That, that definitely has to play. That definitely plays into it. I mean, this this game is changing. I think it's personally changing for the, for the better. But like you said, it, it that that certainly has something to do with it. Pitcher or uh, hitters want to hit the ball out of the ballpark. They got to swing hard to do that. So, and especially against a guy like Corbin Burns, like he's going to provide he's going to provide the power if you just put a nice uh, swing on it. Yeah, as hard as he's throwing the ball, um, you know, you're if you put a good swing and good contact, you know, your your ball's going to jump off the bat for sure. Um, and then, like you know, some some other things I've kind of made notes of is I feel like pitchers now are getting a little bit better at limiting walks and reducing their pitch count. Um, and I think a lot of that goes to just improving their control. But some of that has kind of faded lately with the reduction of spider attack. So, um, but for me, I guess what bothers me is it's like guys that we wouldn't expect are throwing no hitters. That's that's absolutely correct. I, I mean, John Means, Wade Miley. You know those type of guys that you don't think of going in deep to the game, but it it has changed. You know we're we're used to thinking of guys like Justin Verlander and Clayton Kershaw and you know these big time names that have been around forever doing that type of stuff, but definitely not the names that have been throwing them this year. No, and and you mentioned John Means. I, I read at one point, kind of when we were studying and preparing for this, um, that John Means was literally like kind of changed. He wasn't even studying baseball anymore. He was actually about to hang it up at one point and he was, you know, on like a four month stint as a substitute teacher. So, you know, you've essentially got your, your above average, average Joe is what I'd call him, but he's just came in and, you know, threw a no hitter out of nowhere. Like no one would have predicted it. Kind of like when I hate to say it, when Sean Newcomb was, you know, dealing against the Dodgers a couple of years ago, as, as talented as that lineup was, I mean, you would never expect Sean Newcomb of all people to no hit them. Yeah, no doubt there. I, it's it's great, and you know the one thing about John Means is I he is a guy. He was a big Spider Tech guy. He's still a really good pitcher right now. But if you look at his numbers when Spider Tech was in place and you could use it, and now where they're doing the checks and stuff like that, you know I don't. You know there's still guys throwing no hitters, but he was certainly one of those where the Spider Tech definitely helped. Yes, uh, I would 100 percent agree with that. And another guy that you know he hasn't thrown no hitter, but have you seen like you Darvish's numbers since? Um, spider attack check started happening. Oh yeah, he. It has been a complete different U Dar. It, it's U Darvish from two years ago now, not from last year. Yeah, no, yeah, and and that was what I noticed because it was kind of like he was just this average pitcher, like sometimes flash some really elite stuff, and then all of a sudden, you know, he just becomes like one of the elite of the elite out of nowhere. Um, but then the crackdown happens and he falls like back to earth really quick. I think his ERA really ballooned after the spider attack check started happening. It certainly did. And it, it, at the end of the day, I, I don't like how they implemented the spider or, you know, trying to crack down on it right there in the midst of the season. You know, it, it did hurt some pitchers at the end of the day. Why not use it if it's legal? Right. I mean, that's what people did, but it, it hurt some big time pitchers, not just like their numbers, but like hurt them physically. It, when you're throwing the ball that fast and you're used to, you know, one thing to help you out and you take that away from them, that, that's how injuries start. But all in all, the numbers have started to go back up for pitchers, but the no-hitters, I guess, certainly haven't. Yeah, the the, the no-hitters have fallen, and you mentioned injury too. And um, I guess I feel like, you know, I kind of support having spider attack. I think hitters are better than they've ever been. Um, 
you know, they're, the ball, the balls have changed to, in my opinion, benefit the hitter. Uh, people love offense. You know, they don't, they don't want to see these pitchers duels anymore where they're, you know, zero, zero or one, zero going into the ninth inning. Um, people want to see the ball leave the yard, but I feel like, you know, pitchers should be able to use spider attack. And like you said, essentially taking it away mid season caused a lot of injuries. Guys like Tyler glass. Now, um, you know, he, I think he tore something in his elbow, like the next start. And he was one of the guys that really suffered big time from, from having um, spider attack taken away mid season. Absolutely. He was, he was one of those. It was the next start. And he even came out publicly and just said like, you know, that that's what happened. Yeah. And, and like whenever he said that, one of my favorite things, and I think we've mentioned it before on the podcast, but I, I can't really remember. But Peter Moreland breaking down like how you hold the ball with spider tack versus how you don't in order to still try to generate that same spin. And with it, like you're essentially holding it at your fingertips, and without it, you're holding it like in the back towards the palm of your hand. And so it's kind of like you're putting just so much more pressure on the on that elbow that you know whenever they're trying to throw breaking balls and stuff like that, it puts a lot more on them and. When you throw as hard as Tyler does, I mean that—that's a recipe for disaster. Absolutely, and I, Peter's Peter's breakdown was absolutely great. And like you said, you are for the spider tag, and I'm not saying I'm against it. I don't know if I would technically say spider tag. I was one of those that they they need to have something. They need to have a substance that's good with everybody, and that's hard to do. But whether that's some type of Vaseline type of thing, because spider tag is like legit. Like, that's how pitchers get huge increases over hitters. But they definitely need to have some type of sticky substance where pitchers can get a grip and pitchers don't kill the other batter. Yeah. I mean, and I think that they, like you said, they just need to find something, some substance they all agree on. Because at the end of the day, I feel like if you're going to juice the ball for hitters, you need to give the pitcher something to work with. Absolutely. It needs to be something. Because rosin and sweat – you know they can do that all they want to, but I don't know how good of grip they actually get from that. So there needs to be there needs to be something that that's in place next year, and that that needs to be something that needs to be discussed in winter meetings for sure. Yeah, I would I would love for them to discuss that and then eliminate the runner on second base in extra innings. That would be fantastic. Um, that would be- but yeah, so I, I think you know that with no hitters, I mean they're just becoming too common. Um, I think this year was a new record. Uh, they've they've had a they had a, they even had a, like four last year I believe in a shortened season, so um, you know I think they have gotten less valued. Uh, I hadn't seen a perfect game in a, in a hot minute. Um, those are you know truly a special performance when somebody turns in one of those, but it just kind of seems no hitters are watered down due to kind of just the state of the game at the moment. Um, people swinging for the fences and you know guys having the sticky substance before the crackdown. Um, but yeah, so I think going forward with you know with the podcast uh, next week, we're going to decide to cover the uh, we're going to do a two part series on a playoff preview. We know um, September baseball is kind of the it's the end of the regular season. October's right around the corner. So um, Ethan, if you want, kind of give us a little bit of what you're looking out for throughout the rest of September. At the rest of September, I'm looking at that wild card race in the NL, and I am looking at the I'm – I'm actually looking at the wild card race in both the NL and AL because they're both extremely close. But that NL West, that is that is really what I'm looking at. The, those standings are crazy how close they are with three really good teams competing for it. Yeah, I mean, you have the Dodgers, the Giants, and the Padres who are all essentially like probably – you know, they're all probably top ten teams in baseball. Um but, you know, 
it could. There is a scenario, I believe, too, where one of those guys might not even make it. That it's a hundred percent a scenario, and, and I shouldn't even really mention the Padres in that standing race. I mean, they are eighteen and a half games back. It's no chance there. But just the Padres in general with that wild card race is crazy. But there is certainly a chance. I would say San Francisco and the Dodgers are certainly going to make it most likely. But the Padres certainly could not. I mean, the, the Padres have to play the Giants like I think fifteen or fourteen to fifteen more times, which is crazy. So you know they're, they're going to at least have to win half of those games and. They're going to have to win the other games that they have becoming because, I mean, the Cardinals and the Reds are right behind them. Yeah, and, and they're they're all, you know, nipping at the heels and kind of chomping at the bits to sneak into the wild card. I mean, they said, I think you said the Cardinals were a game back. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, it's September baseball. It's it's time to kind of kind of hunker down and finish strong. Um, I think what would be crazy is, is if the, you know, the Padres do miss the playoffs, like, with as talented of a team that is, they kind of went all in in the offseason making the big-time trades. Um, they've really done a good job developing some of their players, Cronenworth, Trent Grisham, the whole nine yards, all those guys. Um, so I, I think that's definitely one of the teams to watch. The wild card races are, are definitely going to be exciting. As we know, I'll be watching the NL East. You know, we've got a four-and-a-half game lead. I think I saw a statistic the other day where if the Braves play 500 baseball, I think the – uh, the Phillies and the Mets would have to play like 700 baseball to like catch them the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the Mets don't have an extremely hard schedule. It's definitely really just between – I would – I'm sorry, I, the Phillies really don't have a hard schedule going forward. So, I mean, it really is just between the Phillies and the Braves. I'd say the Braves win it. I, I truly do. I, I just – I kind of like their depth better, but it, that is certainly a race to watch. Yeah, and it, it's going to be a fun one. Like we said, we got the last couple of weeks of, of regular season coming up, and uh, we look forward to kind of covering, you know, the, the playoffs as a whole and, and giving our predictions. And um, so I think going forward we'll keep our eyes on that, and then next week, you know, we'll dish out some predictions for who we think goes all the way, and uh, we look forward to seeing everybody then.